Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to Tasting Anarchy. We have another fabulous episode today and a very special guest. We're joined by Bird Arcus from the Friends Against Government podcast. I'm here, guys. As always, yes. as always, I'm Jacob Lindsay and Mason. Mason Joseph. And uh, we are going to talk. We've actually got a, a action-packed episode this week of not so much how much government's in your drink, but we always get around to that point. So, uh, Mason, we are actually all sharing the same bottle of wine tonight, although, Bird, I think you, you drank yours Quite a while ago. Oh, yeah. It was uh, for a barbecue or something. We chugged it down. It was nice. pretty, <laughs> pretty high class. Yeah. Nice. I, I just I just finished. I just finished. So this actually, I sent this to you because it's one of my favorite, like, just easy drinking introductory red blends. Sure. And um, I bought 12 bottles of it. I, I bought six, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then it came back up on last bottle of wine, so I was like, I'm going to buy six more. Okay. And then it, it came back up a third time, and I was like, you know what? It may not come back up again. I'm going to buy 12. So Ooh. I've got an ungodly amount of this wine, but it's every time I open a bottle and drink it, I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, if I may, I also yeah. loved it. It was fantastic. It was very good, if I may. And, and and just so you know, Jacob, um, I've told Mason before, I'm very prepared today. I've come, not only have I come with um, some thoughts as to the, the wine, but I also have just opened up on wine and winemag.com otherwise known as wine enthusiast i have the glossary open full of all the wine terms uh, and okay. i will be i will be using these terms liberally okay <laughs> well we <laughs> probably won't be able to keep up because neither one of us knows the wine terms very well <laughs> well good if you, i'm just saying if you say anything i'm looking it up i will be i will i will know what you're saying for instance disgorging is something that i've just looked up oh, and i don't quite good. know what that means <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know what that means either Okay, so. good. Well, you know, Jackson Blood is going to like DM oh, yeah. one of us like, uh, that means this and that means right. that. Oh, and he, yeah, he's a, he's a super genius when it comes to wine. He knows everything. But the wine that we're drinking tonight that we are ranting and raving about, or at least Bird and I are, is uh, Dante, Dante? How, how would you say this? Don, Donati. Donati? Donati? I would yeah. say Donati. Okay. Donati 2014. It's um, from Central Coast, California. Uh, the Pal Signs AVA. Mason, how would you say that? Paisinias AVA? Yeah. P-A-I-C-I-N-E-S. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Pisces. I'm going to go with Pisces. Pisces? Okay. I'm going to go with Pisces. Yeah. And I guess, again, we'll find out who's right and who's wrong <laughs> soon yeah, enough. Some, yeah, somebody will tell us. Uh, it's 13.8% alcohol by volume. I got this for eleven dollars a bottle. Normally they retail Ooh. for twenty two, but I have seen it for eighteen dollars. Oh yeah, my so gosh! I saw it online for like thirteen a bottle. Uh, it depends on which one you get. Mm. So twenty fourteen is not really oh. available anymore. Okay, uh, yeah, so you're right. Yeah, so it's going for a little bit more. I saw that they had uh, twenty fifteen for eighteen online, okay. and then a, a slightly different one that was also twenty fourteen, but a different uh, label. What is my dog doing? Uh, <laughs> your, your dog is freaking out over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's scratching at the door, I think because my wife closed it because she's talking to her friend. 
Uh, and now the dog's like, why am I not in this room? Uh, he, he would. He probably would like to have a bit of the super Tuscan that we're about to talk about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't, don't think that's accurate at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyways, the blend of this wine is forty-eight uh, percent Cab Sauv, forty-five percent Merlot, five percent Malbec, one percent Petit Verdot, and one percent Cab Franc. I think that's the first time I've ever said Petit Verdot correctly. Petit Bordeaux. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. Uh, uh, and. Uh, 100% barrel aged over 20 months, 11% in New French Oak, 8% in New American Oak, and 3% in Russian Oak. What So, what does that mean? Uh, each type of oak imparts a different flavor, and um, so you're going to – so usually oak, you, you end up getting stuff like uh, – like you're going to get like baking spice, vanilla. You might get some tobacco notes, okay, uh, okay. chocolate, chocolate, that kind of thing out of it. And that's, that's kind of what you're getting when you're talking about barrel aging. Um, the fruit flavors typically are going to be from the fruit itself. So, you know, black, black currant flavor, black, blackberry, cherry, sure, sure. apple, all that sort of stuff. Um, what did we me, have in this one? I don't even, what did we have? What berries were in this one? I'm confused. So, so the berries that are in it are, well, the grapes that are in it. I I just read, but uh, I'll tell you what the flavors that I got out of it, and then and then Mason, you can say what flavors you got out of it. So Ooh, I usually and I have go, notes as well. So I I, oh, I want to be included in. Oh yeah, I took notes. Okay, great. While I was All chugging right. it down. Yeah. So I I I usually break mine down in like the traditional wine tasting way: look, smell, and taste. So look, I thought it was a it's a very nice, pleasant red. It's a little bit on the purplish hue. Uh, wine is a lot of times really nice to look at uh, in general uh, just because it's a pretty color. Uh, but I also like drinking it a lot more, and I also like the way it smells. The smell I got was blackberry jam. Uh, it had a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of – I always describe it as dirt, but other people would say earthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some some would maybe say soil, I guess. Yeah, soil, something, something a little nicer than that. Um, for the taste, I said ripe blackberry – very nice acidity, very smooth tannins, um, a little bit of heat, which is, is I think is nice in a wine, and um, light to medium bodied. The flavor does stick with you, but it doesn't stick with you forever. So uh, it, I think it's a very good uh, representation of a claret. And which what, is what? What is a claret, yeah. by the way? So, <laughs> so a claret is, is sort of a general description. It's kind of a, a term that's fallen out of favor. Oh, in, wait. I uh, should just look it up. I have my, I have my glossary in front you of me. Ah, you do. A claret. An yeah. English name for a red Bordeaux. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Now, t- typically, this is something that um, they, they are – you're indicating that it's um, a lighter-bodied red wine – it doesn't really mean that anymore. Um, there's a little bit of history with it. Is is basically uh, English would kind of refer to Bordeaux wines that were lighter as claret. But then when uh, Henry II married Eleanor of Aquitaine and they started importing tons of Bordeaux wines, uh, it just kind of became the generic term for Bordeaux wines. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, this is like what eleven, like eleven fifty or something like that. Uh, so a long time ago, and that's uh, that's. Sort of the gist of what a claret is. Nowadays, they kind of just use it for any sort of Bordeaux style. This one, uh, like we said, is from the central coast of California, um, but it uses the the quote unquote Bordeaux grapes, and that is why they're defining it as a claret. Okay, cool. So we have our so, claret, our Donati claret. Yeah. And so, what do you think about it, Bird? Um, 
I got, what did you say? Black. Pe- See, you have a much more refined palate than I do. Um, <laughs> I said berry and pepper. That's what I got out of it. Um, that was my best shot. I didn't give you any earthiness or soil, although uh, yeah. I did do smell. I did do smell, and on smell, I put earthy and fruity. Oh. So oh, nice. I did get that in the smell. I didn't get it in the taste. Good. Uh, and and now here's time for another uh, <clears throat> another glossary word: tannins. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that applies. Um, and if it does, then yeah, yeah points for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like I I said smooth tannins. So the tannin like. For for people who are newer to wine, a tannin is is that uh, grippy mouthfeel you get like if you like were to like drink really black tea and or like oh you is know. that what that is yeah, is that yeah. what tannin is oh I hate that oh really okay so that's one <laughs> oh of my, yeah that's one of my favorite things in wine is, oh I hate is that, that is that grippy that grippy like makes you want to go like smack 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 when you like with your mouth I love that I love that texture. Oh, does that make me some kind of a, like a douche that I don't like that? Or like, no, what's the no, d- not at all. Uh, it probably means that you like lighter bodied wines uh, or white wines. White wines don't have it. So tannins come from the skin and stems of grapes. No shit. Hmm. And so uh, white wines are not going to have that because they are fermented off of the skin. Wow, that puts yeah. a lot of things together. That's so funny that that's the same problem I have with tea, actually. Yeah. You're right, is I'll drink it, and it just feels heavy. You know, yeah, it feels heavy on the tongue. I got a terrible gag. I have one of the most embarrassing oh. gag reflexes that any human being could ever have, and that oh, yeah. that tannin, whatever you're saying, that, that heaviness, it always makes me go, oh, just a little yeah. bit. Just a little so bit. I, I do. I have a pretty pretty potent gag reflex, too, as Mason will attest, but mine's usually just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear the story. I'd like to hear the story behind Mason. How Mason would attest to that? <laughs> I mean, Mason. Mason, how many times have I thrown up because the weed was too potent? God, is Mason even here? Oh, Mason had to leave. I think because his oh. uh, his thing was his thing wasn't working. Oh, right, we're okay. gonna have to we're gonna have to cause him at some point and be like, how do, right. how do you know about his gag reflex? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, and the thing is, like when Mason and I used to when I lived in a house I would have house parties and stuff there a lot and uh I am not I I, I really enjoy edibles I am not a weed a weed smoker that's at all right you are a wild man you you eat edibles that's so crazy yeah I, oh, I do like edibles a lot I we used me and my old roommate we used to go shout out to Nate again uh we shout used out to, to Nate. we used to make these things called pop poppers and we would go uh-huh. to uh Indian powwows so we would like we pop what a, pop. What a strange combination of things you just told me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was okay. this pow, there was this powwow. Um, oh, Mason's back, I think. Hey, so Mason. Oh, there All he right. is. So, I Mason, tell- can you, Mason? I'm gonna check uh, Jacob here real quick. Can you attest to the fact that Jacob has a terrible gag reflex? Is that the truth? I I don't know on that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm really glad to know that he's not sure. <laughs> Mason, Mason, how many times did I take like a big toke of whatever weed we had and then throw up? But which, by the way, Jacob, happens yeah. to me all the time. <laughs> all it's right. it's so embarrassing, but it happens it to me oh, yeah. all the time and there's nothing i could do about it it's just like something about my uvula i don't know is that the thing that jiggles in the back of your throat that has no purpose but it makes you vomit yeah uh, that that thing it just is it all the time it's on the brink of oh, i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna go you know <laughs> all the time it's terrible yeah well i mean that used to be when mason 
well, it was also my poor choice in what to eat a lot of times with yeah. uh, that the drugs. It. Oh, that'll but, do uh, But anyways, Mason, what do you think of uh, this wine? Uh, so yesterday I smoked a whole bunch of tobacco in the pipe. Oh, um, I okay. gonna, I, and <laughs> I thought we were going somewhere else. And before that, I <laughs> ate like half a pound of pistachios. So like this just burned the crap out of my tongue, but tasted delicious. So mm. like very mm. complex, like, you know, you can get a lot of the different like varietals kind of interacting in there. And then like they sounded like there were three different types of oaks when you're reading the description. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, fr- it's new, new French oak, new American oak, and new Russian oak. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah, back when Obama was yeah, president, cool. you can be friends with Russia. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now that's uh, that's that's a little bit more difficult now because uh, Russian oak is less available. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyways, my conclusion on this wine was very easy to drink. Uh, I like this wine so much that I ordered a case. Yeah, and then I ordered another case, and. Uh, a case is 12 uh, bottles of wine. So um, then I, and so like that was my conclusion on it. I is honestly like I, it, it doesn't blow my socks off like, um, you know, the Pina that we've had, mm-hmm. Mason, or uh, some of the other more expensive, like really fancy ones. But it is so drinkable and it's so pleasant for, I think, a wide audience that, uh, this is like the type of wine that like if I'm not in the mood for something that's going to like really be like heavy on my palate, I'd go for this. And uh, the culinary libertarian actually is a big fan of this one as well. He's posted on Instagram about this this particular wine several times. Nice. Yeah, this is definitely one of those, um, you know, it has a very generic red, red wine feel to it, but not such that you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm just going to forget about this. Like it it meets to me like all the things I'm expecting from a red wine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and may I, and may I just say the Jeroboam in this uh, <laughs> wine was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, that's, that's just wrong. <laughs> that's just not what that is. Jeroboam. Okay, good. Great. I'm trying to fit in gentlemen. <laughs> I'm failing miserably. I, I feel, I feel like, like now that like I'm writing these down, going like this is gonna be these are good names for like my D and D campaign. Yeah. I was gonna uh, well, Jeroboam. Oh, have, that's a that's a good name. <laughs> oh, we have kosher. Kosher is a term in the glossary. Yeah. I do know what that one is. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Malolactic fermentation, gentlemen. What do you think? Oh, now mal- <laughs> that is actually a really really interesting topic. Malolactic. Fermentation. Oh God, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's that's like a legit that's a legit thing. But we'll oh, save man. that for another episode. Uh, Mason, do you want to add anything else on this wine? Because I've actually got some relevant topics for Bird Arcus. I think we'll Ooh. go with the relevant topics. Okay. Relevant topic number one, Bird Arcus. Okay. You may not know this, but birds play a very important role in viticulture. Birds be murdering oh. birds. You all right? Wh- I'm gonna take a. Oh, you just said viticulture. Yeah, viticulture. So I'm gonna wine, say that wine, I said you something wine, with wine growing. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so, good. That's not in my glossary. <laughs> so, so my first article for tonight is why winemakers are turning to falconry uh, to tackle pests. Ooh. And it's uh, Jennifer Nalawick. Nalawicki, I guess. Nalawicki, I would say. All right, so here's the summary of my article. It says one of the biggest threats to grapes is pests, uh, pest birds like the starling. 
Mason, I think you've actually mentioned Starling. I have no idea what these are, and I didn't look it up beforehand. They're those, oh, they're like cute little. They're everywhere. They're, and by the way, they're everywhere on the East Coast. They're the oh, are they? those okay, dirty right. little British birds that they brought over in the eighteen hundreds, and then because they wanted America to be more like Britain, and then they released them, and they're an environmental plague, and should be eradicated oh, them. everywhere that's, they are. That's a shame because I think they're the cutest birds on the planet. They're amazing. Oh. Well, well, Mason will be very happy by this article, and Bird will be very sad because uh, grape okay. growing in California is a thirteen billion dollar industry, and it's not Ooh. uncommon for these pests, the starlings, um, to decimate entire harvests. Uh, so, as a result, uh, Napa Valley is their vintners are coming together, and they're starting a new way of dealing with these, and that is hiring entrepreneur Rebecca Rosen and her falcon Ziggy. So, okay, all right, yeah. I'm into this. Yeah. So uh, falconry is a booming industry in California because live birds of prey seem to be one of the best ways to keep pest birds away from your grapes. Sure. Uh, so Rosen, she has eight eight birds, including Zig, Ziggy, eight falcons, including Ziggy, and she travels to California from Arizona during harvest uh, and camps out in the vineyard so that she can get up in the morning and release her falcons to go they actually don't kill the starlings. They just swoop down on them, and then the starlings are like, "Shit, I got, I got the message." And then they fly back to her, and she gives them chicken. So, <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, that's so. Cool. I guess they're just like they're trained to just swoop at at anything that is roughly the size of a of a starling or starling. any any sort of pest bird. Um, and it's so some of uh, Rosen's clients estimate eighty to ninety percent decrease in avian pests compared to years when uh, Rosen was not there with her falcons. Uh, the clients have used... Uh, they So, this I, I'm trying to make see if this makes sense. Mason, are, do you remember us talking ever about air guns? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, birds. So, there's these things called air guns, and they replicate the sound of a shotgun. Oh. But, that, but they don't I, actually shoot anything. That sounds great. Yeah, so it's a machine that's designed to, like, scare away birds, and it turns out that they do work very well at first, but then the birds just kind of get used to them. And they're just like, okay, nothing's killing us, so, like, we'll just ignore it. And so, apparently the air guns, uh, they just are not, they just don't work very well, so the falcons are, now these falconers are moving in, and they're they're filling that niche because just the birds just decimate these crops. And when you're talking about a a $13 billion industry, you want to take care of it. Now, it's also California, so they don't want to use any sort of poisons or anything like that and sure um, which is pretty good i suppose yeah right? <laughs> yeah it's, it, it is it's it's good in general so that's the that's the first article pretty short article but i think interesting but in the same vein we're moving on to next door to napa valley sonoma county Ooh, relevant topic number two yeah relevant and it's called sonoma county vintners use barn owls for pest control uh this is by Stephen net n-e-t-t um, both of these articles, by the way, are 2016, so they're a little bit older, uh, but the information is still relevant. I just went ahead and did a check. They're just not writing articles about it this year, uh, but they, but these, uh, this type of stuff is still going on. So in Sonoma County, vintners are putting up boxes on tall poles that serve as nesting areas for barn owls. Uh, barn owls are very good at controlling pests. Ugly, uh, ugly, ugly little things, by the way. Look <laughs> at these freaking things. Horrible. Yeah. They look yep. like they're gonna. They're about to record an album. <laughs> yeah, they're they are very weird. So barn owls, they're very good at controlling pests, especially damaging to vineyards such as gophers and voles. Oh, uh, are gophers a big problem in the in the wine community? 
Yeah, they are. They are. So oh, really? gophers, uh, gophers eat the roots of grapevines, uh, which can ultimately kill the vine. Uh, just for the listeners and for you, Bird, uh, it takes about four years for a vine to mature and produce good fruit. Wow. So if you if you've got a gopher coming in and eating the roots of your of your plant, that's four years of labor down the drain. All because of a stupid little squirrel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Gophers also contribute to topsoil erosion because uh, they kill so much of the vegetation that anywhere where there's runoff, it will just run. It'll it'll kill all the vegetation, and then the runoff won't be caught by the plants. Oh my god! Um, so that's another big problem with with gophers. Uh, volts can also be very damaging because although they don't live underground and eat the roots, they will chew through the base stock of the grapevines and basically kill the entire vine um, oh by god. by chewing through that. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier. It's a $13 billion industry, so when this happens, this is a big deal. So the barn owls, though, they are uh, they hunt at night, and they're very good at catching both the nocturnal gophers and the nocturnal voles, uh, and they do it all based on sound. So they'll sit out there with that like weird round face of theirs, mm-hmm. and, and they'll just pick up the noise of these animals gnawing, either <coughs> underground or at the base, and they'll swoop down and they'll catch them. Uh, they can eat roughly 1,000 rodents uh, per breeding pair per brood so um if they if they have a clutch they'll feed their clutch roughly 1000 rodents and eat uh eat them as well Uh, and that's it seems like a high amount of rodents right it is that seems like a high amount right and and they can and they can uh have two two clutches per year so that's 2000 per year rodents in one nest so very very uh productive when it comes to pest control uh so anyway, integrated – this is along the lines of the previous one, integrated pest management using strategic planting of uh, plants and also of uh, different types of animals is uh, becoming more popular in Sonoma County and in, in the wine industry at large because of growing popularity in things like organic wines or natural wines. Um, and also just how, how the poisons over time do accumulate in the soils, and they will kill your vines. So people are trying to use as, as – little chemicals as possible and speaking of chemicals they do use chemicals to kill snails oh and, which are also very devastating to are they vines. Yep, Jeez, you yep. think you know a guy that's crazy yeah. yep so snails are very uh devastating so i have a youtube video for my next article which is uh find out how 800 ducks contribute to winemaking and, <laughs> that's a great that's just a great title <laughs> yeah and uh so this is um mason you may need to read this because this is south african stuff mm-hmm. uh so afrikaans well yeah um ver vergenogd okay hang is on. That, mason are you familiar with afrikaans <laughs> not necessarily but like i took german in school so like sometimes we okay can get close. Jeez, that was like that was like very bro science right there well yeah. you know i did a year of spanish <laughs> uh verganoid is how i would pronounce it but like that, verganoid yeah yeah that makes sense and also i've learned recently that you and i have been t- pronouncing stellenbusch wrong oh i'm sure um it's it's like stellenbach or something like that <laughs> Or selling Bosch or something yeah. along those lines. So, anyways, this is uh, Verganoid Estate Vineyards in Selenbach, uh, which is a region for outstanding wines, by the way, in uh, South Africa. Um, 
And uh, they have purchased 800, well, they purchased ducks a while ago, and they bred them into 800 Indian runner ducks uh, that they use for pest management. These ducks uh, come out each day and go into the vineyards and eat bugs and snails that damage the grapes. Oh, these are some of the greatest looking ducks I've ever seen. Yeah, they're pretty cool These looking are ducks. Fantastic! Why are yeah. they shaped like that? So I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, what is that? Odd. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these, the, the ducks, look at these things. Uh, they, yeah, they're really bizarre looking. You need so, to. Everyone needs to Google Indian runner ducks and tell me they don't look like they're like trying to see over the crowd at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do look like that. Uh, so, uh, the ducks have been estimated to kill nearly 80% of the snail population in the vineyard and eat, uh, a myriad of, uh, other types of pests, other types of bugs. God, um, I didn't realize how much of like, what'd you call it? Viticulture? Yeah, viticulture. I didn't realize how much of viticulture was just going to be all out war between the species. Oh, it's <laughs> tough. It is. It's really tough. And and it's war with weather too. Like the, oh, the weather yeah. is, is, um, so they, they do they help uh, reduce the the use of pesticides, which over time accumulates in the soil and alters the flavor of wine, but also kills uh, your vines ultimately if you if you use too much of it. Um, so the Voigenoig, Virgenoig, Virgenoig, how did we decide we were going to pronounce that? Uh, yeah, I think Virgenoid is probably the closest okay. we're going to get, but I'm betting it's like not even like there. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so the Virgenoid uh, estate also keeps geese, and the geese are used to protect the ducks' eggs because apparently, <laughs> apparently, if Jesus. you let the geese go in in the um, in the vineyard, they'll eat the fruit. But uh, they are you, they're just kind of kept nearby, and they will kill like they'll kill like they'll like beat the shit out of crows and um, <laughs> lizards and all the types of things that Dude, we eat duck I eggs. I want to get in. I need to get into this just so I can pit animals against one another. Yeah. <laughs> that, they're, they're, they're cool. They're, they're, uh, the geese that they're using are called uh, African geese. They got this like big old fat knob on their head. Uh, oh, they're really? really cool looking. Yeah, they, they're, apparently they're, like, uh, they're actually not African. They're Asian, but uh, somehow they got oh. into Africa. And um, they have this like big old knot on their on their head. They're really interesting. Uh, have you ever have you ever had to tangle with a goose before? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, they are vicious. Yeah. Well, I, I won't say the name of the beach because these days it's politically incorrect. But there was a beach that I used to go to when I was a kid. Um, the history of it is that this is it was a segregated beach. And <laughs> I was going to say, what is the name of this beach that yeah. you can't say the name? Well, Nugaloo yeah. Beach. <laughs> no, it's it's at, it was it was a Negro bar. Wow, and, and, Jeez, they, and they be, never changed that. It's it is changed now. It's now oh, okay. called like it's now called like MLK Beach or something like that. Oh well, that that's that's kind of funny, huh? They went yeah. they had to be like, oh look, we got to go in the complete opposite direction yeah. now. Well, and and when my mom was a kid, it was called something much worse than Negro Bar. Oh no, and um, it <sighs> was a it was a it was a black uh, mining community because I grew up in Central California where a lot of the. Uh, gold mining and stuff like that hap- was happening. And so there was a lot of black gold miners, but they weren't allowed to live with the regular, like, white gold miners. Right, right, right. And then, so there's also, there's also, Mormons weren't allowed to live with them, too, because there was also Mormon town. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and, that is, and, that's something else, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and also, also Mexicans were not allowed uh-huh. either. Well, which yeah, is like, yep, okay. Sure. <laughs> the three minorities um, in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mormons, like. Uh, actually, if you if the lake that was by my house called Folsom Lake, if you dive down and when the or when the lake's really low, you can see like the remains of Mormon Town because they flooded oh. it to make the lake. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the remains of Mormons. I was gonna be like Jesus Christ, and you swim in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, so this is part of also integrated pest management, uh, and it's becoming more and more popular. So where does the government and intervene? And this is something that's very interesting, and it's actually not part of any of these articles, but I went on to Mises to read a little bit about um, integrated pest management. So the articles did mention that barn owls are very good at this, but they also mentioned that there's other owls that are endangered species that are not coming back as quickly as they would expect even though they, they serve a very similar role to barn owls. And they don't give an explanation in the article, but Mises has given this explanation before, and uh, their explanation is that due to the harsh regulations of California, if you have an endangered species on your land, it's effectively not your land anymore uh, because of the amount of regulations that you have to adhere to and the types of things that you're allowed to do or not allowed to do as a result of finding an endangered species. And so what actually happens is that people who own land in there, if they have one of the endangered uh, ground owls or uh, some of the more endangered uh, hawk species or the California con- – well, California condors eat dead things, so that's not as big, as big of a deal. But one of the, one of the more endangered species of birds – you better pray to God that they don't come onto your land. And oh, if they do, no. oh, I heard Penn and Teller. You remember the yeah. Penn and Teller show bullshit? Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they did this. They were like they talked about how the Endangered Species Act just if if a uh, an endangered bird just shows up on your property, you're screwed. Yeah, like you're just screwed. And and what it actually does is it incentivizes people to kill the endangered bird of course. and then hide yeah. it so that their land is fine. And then eat uh, it. Yeah, and, and in particular in California, because in California, it's you you lose so much control of your land. And, and there's actually a recently a case, and I didn't I don't have it in this thing, but where um, a vineyard like something like thirty acres of a vineyard was seized because they didn't properly design their vineyard to control runoff okay. that would uh, or no, it wasn't even controlling runoff. It was that they they were using runoff as part of an integrated uh, water management system so that they would be using less water. But because the water initially ran off into a closed reservoir system, um, that was then designated as a uh, wetlands wildlife habitat, even though it wasn't a native wetlands. It was just like, it was runoff from their vineyard that never was there before. Right. They lost control of like 20 or 30 acres of their vineyard. Jesus. Uh, actually, Mason, we you and I should talk about that. I have it in my notes to like as one of the things to bring up. It's kind of an old story now, but uh, it, it is an interesting thing. So, fellas, now that I've summarized these articles, you can tell that the theme is all bird-related articles because, Bird, you were on our show. <laughs> and, uh, and then you get to tell me how my ancestors have just screwed up everything. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know what? These – the, the integrated systems are really interesting to me, uh, especially here in Texas because they have such a huge problem with birds and other things. Um, but they they could use these types of integrated systems. Bat boxes are another popular thing is putting up bat boxes so that the bats have a place to nest and they can come out and eat, eat insects at night. Oh, are bats not pests? You don't think they, they eat, on, uh, eat on little grapes and stuff like that? I'm confused. No, no usually they eat oh. uh, bugs. And, oh, cool. Uh, so if you Shout put up bats. Yeah, and actually, uh, if you own property, uh, it's it's actually a really great way to manage mosquitoes on your property is to put up a couple of bat boxes. So bats, uh-huh. they'll, they'll go ahead and nest in those boxes, and at night they'll come down and they'll eat the mosquitoes, and you'll have a lot less mosquitoes uh, on your property hurting you. And uh, so it's, a, it's a just – and it's also cool. Have you – well, I don't know, Bird, if they have this in New York. Have you ever, like, seen bats eating bugs, like, near a streetlight? 
No, we don't really have bats. Oh, okay. Uh, well, when I was a kid, we used to we used to go to like streetlights and we'd watch the bats like swoop down and eat bugs. And, okay. and then we were, and then we were, you know, we were kids. We're kind of dicks, so we'd like throw rocks up. We'd throw <laughs> rocks up at the at the light, and then they would swoop down and try to eat the rock. Oh God! Like little little tiny rocks and stuff, and then they'd spit them out, and then you'd have like, then we'd go try to catch them because we'd be like, oh, there's bats spit on it or whatever, you know. And then okay. like, I don't know if that was ac- accurate, but that's just one of the things we did because I lived out in the country, kind of. So <laughs> yeah, uh, what but, else is there to do except? <laughs> Harass these small animals. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Harass these animals that are known for having rabies. And oh, is that a, is that true? Are yeah. bats like bats, always? Do bats, bats covered in rabies and things like that? Bats are a pretty big spreader of rabies. Really? Yeah. You would think they're so cute and innocent looking. They wouldn't. Well, I guess I don't know. Well, yeah, they're they're true. great. They're great for pest management. They are. And yeah. um, so. Uh, Mason, do you have anything that, that you want to add into this? Because you and I have actually read quite a bit about this type of stuff where you use these integrated systems to manage pests. Uh, and I actually – well, you weren't part of this episode, but when I interviewed uh, um, Craig Camp about uh, biodynamic is that this is one of the, the one of the methods that he uses is trying to integrate a um, sort of a – collective of animal spirits he's a druid if you will and uh he he gets these animals and the plants to work together to sort of make it so that they don't have to spray a lot of chemicals or anything like that well in in craig camp's situation uh they spray no chemicals because it's biodynamic Mm -hmm. but um any thoughts on this like like anything you thought was interesting about the articles or that you wanted to point out there's two things to think about in this and like i don't I don't think what they're doing is necessarily a bad thing, but like part of the thing that we, you know, so to use uh, some of uh, birds' uh, glossary terms, the terroir of the oh, environment oh. is theoretically being damaged by reducing some of these native populations. And this is a conversation my dad and I have had several times, and we're not exactly sure where to fall. Are there more insects now? Because, like, you know, when you're driving down the highway and then all of a sudden you hit, like, a swarm of insects and your car is, like, completely covered in insects and you're like, holy crap. So my dad and yeah. I have often wondered, do, like, you know, humans mismanaging the land, like, having pools that they don't drain properly and, like, you know, bird baths that they don't clean out, like, are we creating bigger insect swarms than there were previously or? I'm, I'm willing to say yes. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to go with absolutely. Well, that's the thing just is, but, like, you know, because we, like we changed the like landscape so much or were there like much more like you know because like where i live bird like there's a lot of swamps and things like that but not in the area i live in just like 20 miles away so like okay were there a lot more swampy areas before humans drained a lot of it so really were there actually way more bird bug populations and things like that you know i don't know and i don't think scientists will tell us a correct answer because i think they're you know, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. But, like, part of the issue is, like, were there more snails in these places because there weren't? You know, so are we, like, running into an mm-hmm. issue where, like, 10 years from now they're going to be like, well, these integrated systems basically wiped out these native things that have, you know, severely changed the population, you know, population. Because one of the things that we're finding out about wine a lot is, like, if you spray so many chemicals around the base, you're killing all of the natural germs and... Bacteria yeah, the, the mic- yeah, like, the bacteria, yeah, right. the bacteria, the bacteria, and it does change the terroir. Yeah, yeah, the microclimates around the grapes, and a lot of the grapes need this microclimate. Now, part of the yeah. grapes, 
part of the microclimate is modified because the grapes exist. And so if different plants were there, it'd be a different microclimate, all that stuff. But like, if we're yeah, well, more more like a microbiome. Yeah, microbiome. I mean, it, it is also yeah. yeah, it's also a climate. No, no, no. You're, because, you're right. You know, microbiome is the well, rudimentary. Well, but but even to the microclimate point is that like certain viticulturists will keep a very very clean floor around their vines, mm-hmm. and the clean floor uh, does change the temperature that is reflected up from the sun. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and sort of to this point is that there are actually, uh, and and I, again, I didn't cite this article in this, but there are some viticulturists uh, like Craig Camp would do this too, is where they, they plant their grapes slightly further apart. And then in between the grapes, uh, they will plant uh, other things. And there'll be things that are, you know, quote unquote, sacrificial plants. So they're things that are more attractive to sales, more attractive to rodents than the vines. Mm-hmm. You know, vines are not... They don't have a lot of nutrients in them. Uh, grapes are pretty much a garbage, a garbage uh, berry. They don't really have a lot of nutrients in them. They are high in sugar, uh, but they they're not nutritious. And so, a lot of times, uh, small rodents and other animals would prefer to eat clover. Uh, they would prefer to eat um, other types of things. You know, uh, snails actually really don't like dandelions, for example. So, like, uh, <laughs> well, neither do I. So that's yeah. something we have in common, right? So, like, if you plant, <laughs> if you plant dandelions around, the snails will kind of stay away from that. But you can also <clears throat> harvest dandelion greens. Rodents like dandelion greens a lot. Uh, but then, if you also kind of allow habitat for barn owls, allow habitat for falcons, things like that, then it kind of creates a little bit of a balance, but it keeps them away from your grape. Now, you're going to get lower harvests. But you're going to have a much more natural product that is a fuller reflection of the terroir, which, Bird, if you haven't looked up terroir yet, it's... I, it's I have. Of, I okay. have. Oh, yeah, you so, better believe I have. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it does... It sort of is mystical a little bit in what it is, but it's, it's you know, it's a reflection of the, the environment that the grape is grown in. And, um, and... But you're right, Mason. Like, when you have 800 ducks running around shitting all over your... your Orchard, you better believe that's going to change the terroir. Yeah, and they're not, it's not like it's a native duck species that needed necessarily to be conserved. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, like, and, and speaking of that, actually, in the same article, the or in the same video, the uh, author says, "Thank God the government recognized that that this is actually good for native species because um, at first they were worried that they would shut them down from doing this because the ducks are not native and that." Because they allow the ducks to go out into like a damned little uh, pond every day to cool off, they were worried that the government would come in and be like, eh, "Natural habitat for uh, other types of birds, you can't do this." Yeah, well, and, and that's so. That's the kind of thing is like, I don't disagree with the idea of people using their land as they see fit, but like, part of the whole point of this is to get away from like adjusting the natural environment. But you know, grapes aren't natural to these environments. Yada yada yada. You know, it, it kind of is cascade effect of. Yeah. If you do one thing in the name of protecting the environment, well then you shouldn't be in the environment to begin with because you're not yeah. you're you're changing it whereas, you know, like at least you and I Jake like it's we're like no, it's your land, do what you want, but also, you know, if you can do these things without invoking like harsh heavy chemicals and things like that because of the other side effects that it has to the production of your product then we agree so to try it right okay well i mean i that makes sense and uh i think that yeah we that i I like that they're trying it 
Uh, I like that there is a lot of kind of trying to get around the government, although both with, with the the falconry and the uh, barn owls, in both cases there is um, departments. I, honestly, like every time I read an article about California, there's a department that I never knew existed. Oh. And it's crazy how many departments exist there. Well, speaking of departments, one of uh, – somebody that uh, Bart is very familiar with, uh, Mr. Bill de Blasio, is uh, – Suggesting new federal departments to protect people from automation. So, oh boy, yeah, Mm. like, oh yeah, let's create a department to protect us from automation. So, like, you know, Jacob, when we we finally come up with an automated uh, machine that can, you know, harvest grapes at the right time, at the right temperature, at the right, you know, everything that would be important for, uh, you know, peak harvesting that a robot could do, uh, Mr. Bill de Blasio is going to come out there like hobo with a <laughs> shotgun and like mow it down or something to protect, right, right. Uh, you know, illegal immigrant jobs or something like that. Well, I mean, that's that. I mean, that's a real possibility. <laughs> 231 state agencies in the state of California, by the way. That, oh, man, that's, that that's seems kind of small to me personally. For, really? For, that's a lot. It, Bird, what what do you what is the city of New York's departments like for? for <sighs> Well, if you want to think about it this way, I'll get back to you. There are 39 million people that live in California and only 200 something agencies. And they make. Yeah, but those that's just the name of the that's just like what it does. It's not how many people are in it. You know, they have 230 something just areas (laughs) that they feel the need to deal with. But that and that's (laughs) but that's to me is like every time I turn around, like Jacob said, they're they're creating a new one, but they've been doing it for like 40 years. So like to me, they only got the 200 seems kind of small. It's like if you were like Uh, 4,000, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) 4,000. We have a very we have a very strange view of the state to begin with, though. That's true. (laughs) Well, and, and that's and that's very fair. I mean, like, you know. There, there is a lot of this. Actually, uh, friend of your show, shout out to Rolo, Rolo, shout Rolo, and I have, have actually been talking about about this a lot too. Is that like I've been, I've been, you know, I'm a I'm a software developer by profession, and Rolo got me into crypto. I I am very crypto skeptic, which a lot of libertarians are not going to like, and they're going to be you know butthurt about that. But that's fine. Um, I am very very interested in the technology though, a- and I see that. A lot of the things that that people think will be solved by these departments could actually be solved by blockchain technology, because a lot of a lot of what they're doing is um, chain of custody stuff. It, it's not really like they're not really. Now, granted, you'd have to get people to agree that somebody owns these barn owls, somebody owns these falcons, somebody owns these condors, because you could do a chain of custody on that, and then and then the person who has it the. the ownership over that animal would then have the ability to tort somebody who injured that animal Mm -hmm. because you could, you could trace it in the blockchain that like bird owned condor number five. He gave condor number five to Mason and then Jacob poisoned this rodent uh, on his property and the condor ate the rodent and then died. And now you Mason have a tort against me because condors are incredibly rare. Yeah. And, and you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things that we could do with those sort of things, but there's also like the idea that, like, oh, now this condor is on my land, you know, like so, right? It's a very yeah. interesting, like, in better position of like, who's actually being injured, and how do we, how does that person seek recourse as opposed to, oh yeah, these. 
these like however you know there's like a hundred like the government of california like the legislative body of california is exceptionally small for how many people there are which yeah, yeah. obviously it makes sense there's you know that's just well the that's that's one democracy of democracy works yeah. Well, that's one of the suits that, or one of the grievances that Jefferson has against the state of California yeah. is um, that, like the entire the entirety of of the state of Jefferson is represented by like two yes. people, and that's like a third of California's like land pop land size. Yeah, Bert, Bert, are you f- are you familiar with the state of Jefferson? Somewhat, somewhat. By the way, 100 state agencies in the state of New York versus 233 in California. Just wow. to give you some perspective, <laughs> and that that's kind of scary. That is, especially. Scary. I mean, like, and and California or New York is like second to California, and actually, New York has a uh, very strong uh, showing when it comes to wine production in the Finger Lakes region. Oh, um, we do we? That's cool. Yeah, and it's actually anyway. Very, Jefferson, it, t- tell me about yo, Jefferson because so this Jefferson, is one of those things I've heard of before. Jefferson, it's like a a de, a de, a de facto. Yeah, state the, of it, some it's kind. actually it's it's the part of California I'm from is is the you know great state of Jefferson, <clears throat> and the Jefferson. It, it's it's a secession movement to split California into two states. This kind of started around I think 1941. Um, there was a guy in Oregon, and he was trying to get a lot of uh, he was trying to get funds from the state of Oregon to build a lot of mining trails and logging trails in his county. Um, and and this is what industry does in California and Oregon and stuff like that. Is that is because the land is not privately owned; it's leased by the government. Is that they try to get the government to come in and build them roads to get their logging and their minerals out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with with the way that that's done is that if you're leasing the land, you have no incentive to maintain the land, and so uh, they lease it, they they clear cut it, they strip all the trees out or whatever they're trying to do, and then they dip out, right. and it's like it's a barren wasteland. The the topsoil runs off. You get these right. like ter- this terrible blight on uh, on the area, and it's very damaging to everything around it. Um, so, anyways, but. That that's neither here nor there. So this guy, he was he was actually a really good marketer, and so he started marketing this idea that um, these co- these uh, counties in Oregon would secede from Oregon, and across the border in California, like a bunch of counties were like, "That's a great idea. We're joining you because we're getting <laughs> we're getting shit representation from Sacramento because Get Sacramento's your own movement right because Sacramento's controlled by." Uh, San Francisco and LA and to a lesser extent San Diego and um, so at the time though San Diego was nothing it was it was all Los Angeles and San Francisco and so they these counties tried to you know my county which is the southernmost Jefferson County is El Dorado County and um, and so they were all trying to separate and and split off it was it was kind of a big PR stunt where like they were like if anybody comes to talk to you about the state of Jefferson make sure that you're wearing western style clothing so like cowboy hats <laughs> and and cowboy boots and like you know cowboy shirt you know all that st- those types of things also if if any time the, the news media is trying to talk to you make sure that you have attractive women with you because that's going to that's going to play well in the newspaper and i mean this is 1941 so this is you know a different time and so now the guy who was organizing it though in 1941, he has a long conversation about how they're going to move forward. It's very popular. People were, were really pushing for it. It was, it was like three counties in Oregon and then like a bunch of the northern counties, uh, counties in, in California. They were, they were moving for it, and, and they, the guy had a meeting that night with uh, like his commission for secession and then died the next day. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he just he had a heart attack and didn't wake up. 
And so, oh, sure, sure he did. <laughs> right, sure right. He did. Now, this is grand. This is during World War II. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on, and so it, it kind of just sort of people forgot about it. But up when I when I every every year when I would drive up to Northern California um, through there's there's a point when you get to uh, I can't remember what county it is, but when you get to a county, there's just a gigantic sign that covers an entire hill. And it says, welcome to the state of Jefferson. And it's ever since then, like since I've been a kid, like that's been like part of, I was like, yeah, this should be a separate state. And then, you know, over the last several years, there's been a lot of uh, talk about California seceding. Its population is larger than Canada. Uh, its economy is- Just that is, one area or, or all of California? Well, just California. The Jesus. The, the uh, section of California that would be Jefferson would actually be the uh, 49th, well, actually, out of fifty-one, it would be the fiftieth most populous state. <laughs> Isn't that it? wow? That's huh. yeah. Like the part of California I'm from has like nobody. It is empty. Uh, and it's crazy, it, but, but it's a very 30, as you said. There's thirty million yeah. people in it, and it's Thir- no, no. There's thirty-nine million people in California. Thirty-nine million people, and it's what yeah. are they, California's always pride themselves in the fact that their economy is like what, like eighth biggest economy in the whole world. Or yeah, something like yeah, that. oh yeah, yeah. Something it's like bigger. That. It's bigger. And, but it's, but nobody is in Jefferson, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's 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 <clears throat> and it's and it's almost fifty percent of the entire state. Hmm. It's it's huge, and it's just that nobody lives up there. They they grow a lot of weed and uh, logging. You know, mining. There's a lot of farms up there. Um, my sister lives up there actually, and she's a she's a uh, arborist. So oh, nice. uh, she she's a tree trimmer for a living. Actually, she'll be playing D and D with us um, if you can make it on the 14th. Oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful part of state. Probably the most beautiful part. I'm 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 upset that Mason, you weren't able to get up there because it's hands down one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Um, and and I'm incredibly biased, but it is it's gorgeous out there. Uh, and if they ever separate, I'll, I'll move back. But yeah, the sort of it does kind of go back to that is that this part of California does have a lot of vineyards, and um, a lot of the the rules that the the metropolitan areas and and this happens in New York as well is that New York City is p- applying rules to places like the Finger Lakes region, and they have completely different needs. Also, the city of New York, people who live in New York are not suited to tell people who live in the Finger Lakes region what the best way to conserve is. Um, <laughs> you know, people who own land and work the land, they have a better feeling of how that should be maintained. And then they're also going to get pressure from their neighbors to make sure that it's maintained well. Um, and and that's kind of one of the points that the Jefferson movement has is that this is a, a very rural community. This is a, a, a community that is very in touch with the land. And they've got people who live in concrete jungles like L.A. and San Francisco telling them that they're, uh, the practices that they use to harvest a forest are killing the three-spotted newt or something like that. And it's well, like, listen, don't the three-spotted newt is a beautiful creature. It is, but you know what? If it doesn't, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> and Sorry, and Newt. Yeah, right. I mean, like, they'll, they'll figure it out. But the thing is, is like a lot of the times, so though, these habitats and stuff that where these things live are not natural habitats. The na- yeah. Their natural habitat was destroyed by San Francisco 100 years ago. Yeah, and which is, that's the irony of that, and that's probably yeah. 100% correct. And that's what I was going to say. It's like, well, you remember when, like, Manhattan was, like, this you know, big farmland, right? Oh, wait, no, they, they leveled that 200 years ago. So Right, I was going to say, yeah, we were talking about swamps before. Queens was a swamp. It was a gigantic yeah. swamp, yeah. now it's not. 
<laughs> so yeah, we probably yeah. kicked all the, uh, the the native New York alligators out. Well, <laughs> well, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen uh, that movie with um, Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, it's uh, The Great Gatsby. It's it's famous book. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like when he's when he's driving through Brooklyn in that movie, it's completely different than Brooklyn now. Yeah, right. And it's like it's such a weird thing to think about, but like Brooklyn used to be kind of like a dump for garbage from other parts of New York. Well, not much has changed in that respect. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Don't take Staten Island's claim to fame, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I mean, yeah, that that was like that was the thing. And actually, like, wasn't Staten Island formed by like a ferry race or something like that? Is it like New Jersey and New York had like a race, like a fairy oh, no. race? Is that true? And I hope that's true. I think it is. I think they had like a fairy race, and whoever like circled, uh, circled the island first was the one that got included in their state. <laughs> oh my god! I think that's I think that's accurate. It's I, funny I could because be now we're like now we want to get rid of it, <laughs> <It's>, and nobody <laughs> right. wants to take it. <laughs> well, I mean, like I, I'd be totally fine. Like Staten Island, like they're hardworking. They, their accents are interesting. Um, I don't know what it's, else is going on there. Aren't there like a lot of firefighters from, from Staten Island? I've, all I know about Staten Island is that about 70% of it is a landfill. That's, okay. <laughs> that's, that's really all I know. What is, isn't it, isn't it like the only bad. Republican borough in New York too? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's like solid borough, sure. Yeah, it's the only one. Mm-hmm. It's the only one all Richmond County. Okay. Richmond County. Yeah. All right. All right, well that you know that's all of the articles I had, Mason. You wanted to uh, you got anything to add or you want to you want to have any questions for Bird when it comes to wine or uh, anything else? I I was going to say like I I keep hearing talk that Bird might be uh leaving New York sometime soon and moving down near my way, but I have no idea if that's actually true. Well, it really depends on what your way is. Hmm. DC, DC area. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. We've been looking. Uh, it's looking not, I mean, soon, not soon. I have to figure out what's going on with my school and whether or not I'm getting a master's degree first, and, and then I can decide where we're going. And um, it seems like I will, I'm going to be one of the classic New Yorkers. All the all the uh, Southerners are going to hate me, but I'm, I'm planning on moving down South. No, uh, I mean, like, honestly, like, I don't have, well, granted, I'm not a Southerner. I just live in the South. But <laughs> yeah, uh, you did this. You did the same thing I'm trying I, to do. Yeah, they hate I us did. for it. <laughs> well, you know what? And the thing, and you know, Texas. This is happening in Texas too. Is like all of California is moving to Texas and yeah. then voting the same way that they voted in California. I know, which I know. is the problem with representative democracy. Yeah. Uh, which you know, but uh, the but I don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's actually a good. Although it it is kind of like everything that the like leftists hate. Colonialism. This is basically colonialism. It is. I mean, <laughs> what a, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like what, is. what? What it's, is it's like Florida people, people moving in saying you're a backwards dipshit, and I'm going to make it better. <laughs> the, I leave, well, I at least we're not like hole, you know so. <laughs> enslaving you and and that's true. Yeah, that's the only. <laughs> Actually, no, you, I, well, I mean, like by Jacob and I's logic, like taxation is slavery, so they're coming okay. in requiring more taxes and everything like that, and like Fair requiring enough. the government to do more. Which is Fair enslaving enough. me. So that's yeah, true. Well, they're I mean, avocado toast, yes, sir. Oppressors. <laughs> I mean, and you get you get 
That's the best argument I've ever heard for it is that (laughs) Yankees are colonial oppressors because they move south. No, Californians are colonial oppressors. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the coasts are colonial oppressors. But I mean, look at look at places like uh, Boca Raton or Delray Beach, and it's like it's like seventy percent Jewish New Yorkers. Uh huh. Right. And it's like, and you're like, but they but they all vote Republican now. That's true. Right. <laughs> they want to like, keep. No, no, well, no. They're, look, no, no, they no. live in the Don't dream. Any of, them else, any of them else come here? <laughs> they live in the dream, man. You yeah. make a lot of money in New York, and you move to somewhere cheaper, and then you kind of just live like a king. For the, that's yeah. great. It's fantastic. My my ex boss, my ex boss. That's what he did. Is I think uh, Boca Raton or Delray Beach, somewhere that area. Is like he made his money in Virginia, and he was like, "Yeah, it's too cold here during the winter. I'm moving down." Imagine and he moved that. Down. And you know what's great is that he was from uh, Brooklyn. And oh man, everybody who was down there, he was like, "It's like moving to Brooklyn again." I met guys that I I grew up with oh, on the same street as me. Oh my god! And and he was like, he was like, yeah, like literally, like just going down there is a, it's 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 basically Brooklyn from the 1960s. Moved down to Delray Beach. All right, well now I can I can knock Delray Beach off of my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what my my wife lived in in Brooklyn when when we first started dating. It was. Uh, Interesting for me to go up there. Like, I get really stressed out by the mm-hmm. city. Oh, man. Uh, he, he, like, would just rail on it for a week before and then two weeks after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was, it was was tough going up there for me. But, like, my wife is beautiful, and I love her. And so going up there was, like, it was a sacrifice I was willing to make. But, like, I don't get into fights very often. I The oh, only time. Here. <laughs> oh, in my, in my adult life, the only place I've ever gotten into fights was in New York. I'm telling you, man. It, everybody, everybody was laughing at me. They didn't understand it. I'm. It's. I, I, and then everybody who had talked to who goes to New York is like, oh, "No, I get exactly what you're saying. It is. It is yeah. something in the water. Almost There's something about it. Yeah. I like. Well, like I was driving down. So like, she lived off of uh, Kings Highway in Brooklyn, and okay. uh, in I called it Asian Town. I don't really know where it is, but um, so like I would like I would go off onto her street, and it's a one way street. But like I was kind of confused by how to like drive there. So I was going sort of slow and this dude starts honking at me behind me. Uh-huh. And like, I had had enough by that point. Cause I, would, I was already stressed out from driving the city. So I like, I put on the brakes, pull on the, on the stop and Mason will test to this. This is not my personality at all. Pull, pull on the parking brake, get out, walk over to the dude's car and bang on his window. He rolls it down like a quarter of an inch. And I go, I'm from Virginia. I don't give a shit about your horn. I'm not moving. Back up and go around. (laughs) (laughs) The other day, the other day this happened to me. The other day this happened. We were driving and somebody was just honking. Like, you know, these these minute the light turns green honkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Just the worst people on the planet. Yeah. Um, We were driving and this dude was doing that to us. And at one point we had enough of it. We stopped. And and my friend put his hand out the window, uh, in in you know splayed fingers, and then he goes four, one less finger, and then he goes three, <laughs> one less finger, and then he goes two, and the guy's honking I think until two, and he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> he goes two, one less finger, and then one, one less finger, and then he closes his hand with a fist, and he gives him a middle finger, and he drives. <laughs> Right. It was it was fantastic. That's yeah. yeah. I, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it is. A, I'm gonna it's miss it. I'm gonna miss it. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is there is something interesting about it. I just I don't think like I think in the absence of like central banking, I don't think New York would exist the way it exists. 
I don't like, know, man. I don't it, even know how to consider that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it, because it, thing, it's like, it? it's too dense. It's way too dense. But that's the thing. I don't know. Like Rome Rome, Rome had a million people in it in 200 BC. Did they have yeah, a central that's, bank? That's true. That's true. They did. did they uh, well, they, 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 were, they were doing the things that central banks would do. They were inflating. They were money clipping. They were... They that's were, true. Uh, I got to read more of my Rome yeah. books. But th- yeah. that's, that's the true. thing. Is yeah, like, maybe. I, I think New York is more like what cities would look like without a central bank. It would just be people piling in on top of each other because they wouldn't be able to conveniently spread out, like <laughs> in an effective way. <laughs> well, that's fair. Like, New York was like, like I mean, New York hit like a million people like super quick, and then like it just hasn't gotten much larger. I mean, it's very large, but like because of the just central, like there's just not enough land for it to become. You know, it's not like it's Tokyo where they're just like fill in the harbor. Like, yeah, right. So like New York. Well, and, and I guess that's true because like if it wasn't for the government building roads, like you would, you might have like mega city one, two, three, four, five or whatever. And it, and it would just be vertical. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, you might be right. My, I, my estimates, it's just like, to me, that's so unpalatable. But then again, like, you know, Victoria, my wife, she, she likes living in the city. Like we live in downtown Dallas and this is insane to me. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, oh, se- it? it's a seven, it's a seven million person city. It's crazy to me. Yeah, but, and that's uh-huh. the thing is like it's so spread out. Like when you're in Dallas, like Bird, it's like you know, like you drive into New York and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of big buildings, and there's a bunch of big buildings, right. and there's a bunch of big buildings next to one another. Yeah, Dallas, yeah. you're yeah. like, okay, that's kind of a big building. That's like Jacob lives like kind of downtown. Like, yeah, but even then, it's like not the real downtown. <laughs> no, no, I I, li- I live uptown. Yeah, um, but like, but like three or four blocks down from me is is downtown, and uh, that's where all the skyscrapers are. But like our tallest one is like half the size of New York's tallest one. Yeah, and and this is the fourth largest city in America. Yeah, and it's just like Jesus, it's just so spread out because and then it's like you know including fort worth you're just like oh urban sprawl like crazy but it's not that like yeah new york urban sprawl where it's like oh every building's like 20 stories plus just yeah but what's weird what's weird though about it is that, like when you drive from dallas to fort worth actually bird this is where car lives is when you drive from here to there it's just like uh-huh. sub suburbs the entire way for a 45 minute drive on oh, the freeway jesus that's yeah. weird it's, it it is a little bit odd. It's it's kind it's of forty five minutes and forty five minutes. You could you could here you could pass eight million people in forty five minutes. Yeah. nine maybe two maybe like two, even twelve million people. Right, if you and just here, drove and in here, a straight line. Yeah, yeah I mean, here you're you're passing six million, but it's uh, it's it's it is it's all these suburbs between Dallas and Fort Worth are are big, and you know you've got um, next to me is Arlington. Arlington's I think four hundred thousand. Irving is four or five hundred thousand. Um, Grand Prairie is 300,000. Uh, I don't know what the heck is on the other side of that, but like it's, it is, it's like city after city after city of these 500,000 person cities between here and Fort Worth. And then Fort Worth is, I think 500,000 and then Dallas is a million. And then, but Mm -hmm. it's like the Metroplex is 7 million. So, uh, it's, it's interesting. And then like Fort Worth is very different than Dallas. Like where, where car lives is, completely different than here like where like you probably would actually feel very comfortable here because there's a lot of it's a lot of walkability there's a lot of restaurants i would like i would like to move to somewhere that has uh 30 percent the amount of people where i currently live is is that that would be fantastic yeah that that would would probably be here million people in uh new york 
Uh, and I don't know how many are in the actual metropolitan yeah, area. Yeah, I think I think the Metroplex is twenty million. I was gonna say because in Queens alone, there's seven point eight million people. I think I was gonna say because yeah. like uh, Fort Worth is the eleventh largest city in the United States, and that has eight hundred thousand. So yeah, that's that you, might be if you wanted thirty percent in the same city. You're talking like Los Angeles because like what LA what is, what is where your, most of those people live. So this is this oh, this Jesus. episode is quickly becoming the convinced bird to move to Texas. Oh, um, <laughs> it's not happening. Well, I was what's your position? I mean, if you're what's talking, your position on heat? Yeah. If you're talking about oh, dry, dry dry heat's fine. Dry heat's uh, fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're talking. I mean, New Dallas. Mexico, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dallas is drier than here, but or drier than Virginia Beach, where I, you have to just keep live. in mind everything is drier than New York. <laughs> Uh, it, well, except for Miami. I was going to say, but, I beg to differ. Well, that's true. Virginia is just as humid. It's, yeah, it's gross. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. I mean, that. like, moving moving here from Virginia, like, I was like, oh, man, this is very similar to California. It's very dry. And then my mom and dad came and visited me, and they were like, holy crap, it's humid here. Yeah, and I was like, God. oh, really? And uh, and it's just because, like, where, we, where we're from, and they're living in San Diego now, is, um, but where we're from in Northern California, Northern California is bone dry. It's, I, I, when I go that there, sounds I, fantastic. Oh, it's, it's, oh, man, it's wonderful. If you ever, if you, like, it may be too rural for somebody moving from New York, but if you want to move to, like, Sacramento or um, somewhere oh, like that, Sac- it's... Sac- Sacramento's got a huge homeless problem now. It, he'd be, he'd be oh, right at home. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You'd, you'd be right. I could at home. live amongst my people. Yeah, but it's you know, but I think I think Sacramento's only like three hundred thousand people, so it's it's is a, it it's really a population. Yeah, oh my like, god. Yeah, but I it's mean, but it is in California. That's the only problem. That yeah, it is like, it is problem. It is in California. The uh, Hampton Roads Metroplex is like a little over a million people. So, hmm. yeah, Sacramento is five hundred and one thousand. Hmm. Wow, so that's there a lot go. fewer than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's that's a proper. But like technically, I lived in the in the Sacramento Metroplex when I lived in El Dorado Hills, so yeah, uh, huh? Even though it's like forty minutes away, but they counted that as. I'm part gonna of have the to. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm. I'm. gonna have to do some serious looking around the country and figuring out and and, and yeah. Maybe I'll put I mean, it to a vote at some. If point. you like, if, if I can make like an Russian, episode out of this, yeah, that'll be good. If you if you like <laughs> Russian food, there's a great. Um, what, in Rancho Cordova. what is Russian food? What is Russian food exactly? I actually don't think I've a ever lot had of Russian sour cream food. and dill. A lot of sour Ooh. cream, a lot of dill, a lot of that uh, sounds great. Like a lot of cured meats. So like, oh, that uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah, different types of salami. Um, Ooh, basically like, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, but like a little bit different. So uh, <laughs> just I, a little bit. Basically, a what hearty. I'm saying is, yeah, I married like the perfect woman because. This like the type of food that is like Russian food, well Ukrainian food, is like right up my alley. Uh, it's, it's like a lot of it, it, you get a lot of borscht. You get a lot of borscht. <laughs> well, she doesn't make it as much as I would like, but yeah, I love borscht. Uh, oh yeah, borscht is awesome. It's like a beet soup, very fatty. I'm gonna I'm gonna hearty. really hurt. I'm gonna really hurt some feelings here. Potatoes are probably one of my least favorite vegetables of all time. Well, you know what's great about Just, borscht? You can leave the potatoes out. And add no, more. I I just meant all other forms of Russian cooking. I think is the problem. Oh, oh. well, uh, but you know, yeah, they, beet they, borscht yeah, is pretty great. A uh, lot of fish, a lot of fish in their food, which is not my favorite. Well, but uh, but you know, it is what it is. 
Uh, yeah. Mm. We could do yeah, food. A, a, we could. Do you, do you like um? Do you do you like empanadas? That's um, very really? iffy. Okay. Very iffy. So they have a style of empanada. Um, Is it baked? It's fried. Okay, that's okay. The problem here's the problem. You know what a pierogi is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can't stand anything like dumplings or pierogies. I hate them. Okay, I just they, they I don't do, know why. They actually they do have a lot of dumplings that are similar to that. But yeah, uh, that's a problem. Unfortunately, okay. with Russian food for me, that, that's fine. They do have a lot of that, but they also have uh, blinchiki, which is like crepes. Um, but but instead of like instead of crepes stuff with just fruit and stuff like that, they also have different types. So you can get the crepes, Ooh. but it mix in with the batter of the crepes is dill, and then filled oh. with like a spiced meat. Yeah, um, see anything with meat, anything with a lot of meat, I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, they're like, and then you get like a lot, a, like really nice, thick, thick sour cream on it. Oh, um, it's good. It's really good. So, uh, happy about and then, that. you know, what, what goes really well with this, let's bring this back around to tasting anarchy a little bit is oh. that, yeah, this, uh, Donati that we had, this is, it's a, it's a heavier red wine. It's, it's not overly heavy, but you know, it's delicate enough that it can go with a dish that is, uh, that is sour cream filled. So, uh, you've got like the sour cream on top of the blean cheeky, and you can also get blean cheeky mm. filled with um, farmer's cheese, which is sort of Ooh. like uh, ricotta. That's like ricotta cheese, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, very similar to ricotta. It's, um, but it's like. Say that again for me. Say that again for me. Ricotta? Ricotta. I love it. Ricotta. Yeah. <laughs> ricotta. Yeah. So very similar to ricotta is is farmer's cheese, and you can get you can get kosher farmer's cheese, which is awesome. You can get traditional. Farmer's cheese, which is awesome. You can get Amish farmer's cheese, which Ooh. I don't know how I don't know how the Amish figured this out because magic, I yeah, magic. I guess they but use like, magic, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so good, it's so good. Like every, every like, and then her her mom makes um, halubse, which is uh, it's like stuffed cabbage, but it's it's oh, in, oh yes, it's okay. super good, it's super good. It's like a it's like a rice mixed with minced meat, and. Oh. Um, in like this uh, tomato based sauce. Ooh. Oh my gosh, it's good. So like, dude, why um, are we talking about Russian food? Because you're trying to sell me on Dallas. Is that is that? Or are you just trying to tell me that I can eat this if I go over to your house? Is you, well, that that's part of it. Is no, that you, but first the thing he's is, trying is to that, get you to move to Dallas, and then he's probably trying to get you to break up with whoever you're with to marry some Ukrainian <laughs> lady that they found <laughs> who needs to <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well. well <laughs> You know what? I, I I am never one to stand in the way of love. Although, um, but I but unless there's Russian food involved, yeah, yeah. I mean, Russian food's good, and my wife doesn't cook a lot of it. She makes a killer borscht, but most of the other Russian cuisine and Ukrainian cuisine is made by me. So, okay, uh, even though even though like I'm a, I'm a what fifty percent what what would you say, Mason? Fifty percent? Or no, I guess it would be thirty percent Jewish. Like seventy percent Scottish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and somehow oh, I'm making Russian food. There's yeah. there's a joke about stinginess in there somewhere. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and 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 I I'm I'm uh, I'm very much uh, like ample pickings for that stinginess joke because I got and, a lot and of, well I, a lot to be fair you did just buy two cases of Donati. <laughs> That's true, and it was a, and like and because I harped on how great of a deal it was, so yeah. But I was going to say he bought this at a deal, so yes, the Stenji Donati. Is, it's yeah. a it's a fantastic deal. This it Donati, is. it is. 
And you know what? Let's go ahead and, and branch into this because we're running a little bit over an hour on now on the show. Is Ooh. If you're interested in trying this Zanotti, I'm going to have a lot left, and I am willing to bring this to Childeberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what, guys? I recommend. Big recommend. From somebody who does not like tannins, apparently, is something I found out. Yeah. It's still very good. But it is very smooth. It has a lot of very smooth tannins, so you, you'll like that. Um, and, uh, Bird, uh, clearly this, this spoke to you a little bit because this is the smoother tannins. And you know what? You're going to get the smoother tannins out of a wine that is heavier and Merlot. Merlot has uh, very smooth tannins. Now, they did try to make up for it a little bit with the Cabernet Sauvignon and the Petit Verdot. There's a little bit of Malbec, a little bit of Cab Franc. Cab Franc is also going to be a little bit more um, smooth on the tannins. But uh, but with the Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Cabernet Sauvignon, you're, you are going to get a little bit more of that aggressiveness. But this Dante, I think, or Donati, um, really showcased a Merlot level of tannins. It was quite smooth mm-hmm. and um and that's sort of like a really great way to like kind of get people interested if you're if you're a white wine drinker and you're interested in red wines a great place to start is going to be merlots because merlots are a lot smoother they're going to be a little bit lower in tannins even even though they're fermented on the on the uh, stems and and uh skins you're they're going to be a lot more smooth now i've got my own personal bias is that if you can get um trilogy sellers merlot um, I helped harvest with, um, Bolin family vineyards. And, uh, so I do have this very strong bias on this, but their Merlot is also award-winning fantastic Merlot. I recently reviewed, I think probably the last episode of the episode before Mason that we released, I reviewed their, um, uh, it's called relentless and it's mm-hmm. their, uh, Merlot mixed with their Malbec. That's going to be a little bit more tanning. Malbec does tend to have a lot more tannins in it, but I, I don't know if it's because I have like Argentinian in my blood, but I do love a Malbec. I will say that. Oh man. It's Mer- something about them. Really? You've beautiful. Got, you've got Argentinian going on? Yeah, that's my, so I'm Italian, but it's, it's Italians who went to Argentina. Okay. Oh, sort of like, uh, World War II. yeah. You know who, you know, who's <laughs> very similar to that is, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. yeah. God rest his soul. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and yes, a big fan of Malbec, even though it is kind of one of those, mwah, mwah, you know, one of those very it, thick it, it, on it the is, tongue. It is smacky, but you know what? In the new world, in Argentina, in Chile, in the United States, you're going to get a lot more fruit forward. And if it's fruit <clears throat> forward and, and good acidity, you're going to be able to balance that tannicness with saliva. So when, when something's acidic and something has a lot of fruit forward acidity, is you're gonna your your mouth is going to produce a lot of saliva, and that's going to kind of counteract a little bit that tannin. That's a good point. Yeah, that's so it's point. gonna it's gonna kind of make it a little more slippery. But so you're gonna be able to enjoy those tannic textures, but not so much that your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth. Oh, yeah, it's right. not gonna well, overpower that's always good. you. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, and and you know a, a really good Argentinian Malbec is is uh, just oh, yeah. you know outstanding and also a great value. If, that's like, true. I, I, yeah. so, Malbec's always so inexpensive. That's that's something yeah. that I've noticed. Yeah, you know, you get something from Mendoza, Argentina. Mendoza, although it's it's a lot better known now in the United States, is that really Mendoza was coming into the United States market around 2006, so it's still oh. very new, and um, and you can still get a lot of 
deals. Chile is another great race place. Um, you're not going to get so much Malbecs. You're going to get <clears throat> Carmeniers, which is going to give you, you know, one of the things you pointed out, Bird, that you liked about this one was the pepperiness. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, Carmenier from Chile is going to give you that black pepper flavor in, in a mm-hmm. lot of it. Uh, pairs great with red meat, uh, particularly like things like barbacoa. You like barbacoa, Bird? Oh, you know I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know man, I do. Man, when you're down here in Texas, man, if you if you fly into Dallas and you drive down with us to Childerberg, I'm going to get you some good barbacoa. There is there's oh, some great do. place around here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that that Chilean Carmenere prayers really well with barbacoa with like any sort of shredded beef. Um, Mason, what would you say you you would like with a Carmenere? Um, you're, you're a little bit different. You kind of like flip it a little bit sometimes yeah, when you're, when you're like talking for about me, pears. Like I'm going to probably go with like a, like a dark leafy green. So like generally like a kale or something like that. Um, okay. Oh, kale. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, like kale and like spinach and those, those dark greens, they kind of like, they rough up your palate as it is. And the like Carmenere and like the, the kind of more upfront, uh, reds are going to like pull a lot of that off of your tongue. So it, it's going to change the way you're experiencing those greens pretty heavily. Okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I like that. And you know what? One of the things that I've been introduced to lately in uh, from uh, Elizabeth at, at Wine for Normal People is that she's talking she – ta- she, she's more of a vegetable person in general, and uh, but she does drink red wines. And, and to me, vegetables don't go with red wines until I started listening to her and – a lot of Europe and a lot of uh, other parts of the world, you know, America, we're very, very meat heavy, but like a lot of the rest of the world is the main dish for them is roasted vegetables. Ooh. Roast, Yeah. And, and roasted vegetables, you know, Mason, you and I, when we used to do our cookouts, we would have like good roasted vegetables mm-hmm. and, um, and those, that roasted vegetable flavor does go great with this type of red wine, a little bit lighter, not as aggressive as, you know, maybe a Zinfandel or not as aggressive as like a straight Cab Sov, but something a little bit more more mild, something with a lot of, of uh, Merlot in it. Um, even some Malbecs would be okay with this. Is that this roasted red, red veg, uh, like the roasted, not roasted red vegetables, roasted vegetables with it um, really pairs well. So if you're, you're, if you're a vegetarian or somebody who eats less meat, pescatarian, whatever it is, um, roasted vegetables do provide that savoriness that, and, and kind of like a fattiness that sort of counteracts the acidity in a, uh, a, a very well-balanced red and also um, kind of accentuates those tannins. Like you get that acidity on your tongue and it's a little bit slipperier. So like when you take on something that's tannic, you get that – it cuts the fat. It, it kind of gives you more of a smoother, longer finish and, and it's a good it's – it's, it's a good pairing. So um, – that's really all I have to say about this. Uh, and I think we Ooh. covered our topics very well. Bird, um, what do you got to plug? I know that you're a very famous podcast person. Way more I'm famous. very famous. Yeah, very uh-huh. famous. What's your clout level at like right now? What's your Twitter uh, follower? My, I'm, uh, my clout level is just under 1,700 at the moment. Yeah. So how do we get, how do we get some of that clout level passed over to How do you get that clout level? Um, got to punch up. 
That's yeah, true. You got to punch up. I guess, That's you know, right. Childerberg. Childerberg, okay, so you know what they did with Donald Trump when he went over to England? They had that big blow-up doll of him, mm-hmm. right? You remember this? Mm-hmm. It was a big blow-up yeah. doll of Donald Trump, and they all made fun of him. Like, Look at him. He looks like a big stupid baby. That's what you need to do. You need to bring one of those to Childerberg, but of me. Okay. You need to bring a big okay. blow-up doll. Well, Everyone will be know, like, what is know, that? So I don't know if you're privy to this or not, Bird, but I did start a paper mache bird head. <laughs> That's... Just for fun or for, for, chil- for me? For, for Childerberg 1. So my mom, my mom about four weeks prior to Childerberg 1 came to visit, and she's a papier-mâché expert. So okay, I was like, okay. I was, I was like <laughs> I need to get a pinata made of Bird because he's not coming to this event. And she was like, well, I'll help right. you start it out. So we blew up some balloons. We started the papier-mâché. So right now I've got kind of like a round figure with a beak. I don't have okay. the full Bird yet, but if you come to okay. Childerberg, dose – You'll be able to. Can beat I get the first yourself. smack? Yeah, Ooh, you'll, yeah could, there you go. First smack. Oh, that's an incentive. I could get yeah. the first smack on the on the and bird. Then, and you know what? If, since I've got a lot of time left, because it's not until uh, March, April, May. It's not till May twenty uh, second or no twenty third to twenty sixth. Um, you better get that right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Ha- I'll have a big uh, car head as well. Oh. And and so we'll be able to kind of like uh, compete that a little bit. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to do that then. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We'll have to do uh, that. So what is what is the podcast that you're so famous from? Well, we're very famous from the Friends Against Government podcast. It's a, a podcast about, as far as I understand it, it's a podcast about Bigfoot, and sometimes we complain about uh, cryptocurrency and uh, other libertarian topics. Um, uh, friends against government uh, you find us on Podbean you can find us on pretty much any podcatcher at this point iTunes Spotify apparently you know it's interesting we're on Spotify I had nothing to do with that I just found out one day we were on Spotify so either <laughs> someone did that I, re- I, I usually us. listen to you guys on Spotify because it's oh yeah it's I didn't a, never yeah. knew that I didn't know we were on that but we are in fact we are on that uh, you can follow me at BirdArchist. Uh, you can also follow my co-host at BarFlampFit. Uh, if you have trouble spelling it, don't worry. Don't follow him. It's okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Those are all my plugs. <laughs> all right. That, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. Mason, you got any closing topics or any closing uh, plugs that you want to do? I was going to say, well, we've got our standard plugs, which we are uh, Tasting Anarchy. You can follow us on Tasting Anarchy on Twitter, where Jacob is off punching and poking people and uh, tweeting at various uh, jackasses about their jackassery. Um, you can also mm-hmm. follow Childerberg on Twitter and go to Childerberg.com or TastingAnarchy.com. And if you want to send us an and you email. Can all, you, can, can, Mason, by the way, you can also follow Vanguard, the Childerberg wine van, which I see is still an active account. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Very... <laughs> I'm very I, happy I, about I, that. I, my, my theory is that Vanguard and Dark Tom Woods are the same account or the same person. I, I don't. Oh, know you don't control Vanguard? No, no. Oh. oh no, I don't. I don't control Vanguard. I have no idea who that is. Oh yeah, that's with me with the Dark Tom Woods account. No idea. No clue. No idea. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know who mystery. either one of them are, but they're great accounts and they're great follows. Yeah. yeah well, and then uh, you can email us tastinganarchy at gmail dot com. So. That's right, yeah. and actually, we've we've been getting a lot of emails lately. And uh, Bird, in your neck of the woods, we we got an email from somebody from the Finger Lakes region. I'm trying to set up some interviews with uh, Finger Lakes wineries. So uh, if uh, you hear us, you know, and you're in the Finger Lakes region, I, I'm very curious about what's going on up there. I know that it is uh, big, 
and that they're it's really growing very quickly. There's a lot of regions in the United States that I would really like to talk to, and Finger Lakes is one of them. So uh, if you, if you're in that area, let me know, and I would I would love to set up an interview. Uh, anything else, Mason, that you want to cover before we close out the show? Stay free. All right, everybody, stay free, Bert.